0: Can we walk this road together? I can't travel it alone. I need someone beside me to help me find my way back home. Hello, this is Dan Prinzen, Executive Director of the Wasma Center for Human Rights in Boise with Adam Thompson. Hey there. Welcome to Voices of Idaho. Today we're having a conversation. We've been introducing a number of core themes and concepts derived from the messaging in the Idaho and Frank Human Rights Memorial. So today Adam and I are going to talk about one of those themes. What does it mean to be an upstander?
1: Yeah, so Dan, that's kind of my first question. How does the center really define being an upstander?
0: Well, part of that definition, we have to go back to how the program began. As we introduced, our concept of an upstander was born out of our work with Rose Bill, a Holocaust survivor. It was when Rose was recounting her stories of being 11 when Hitler came to power, and she would talk about standing there, and those who had been her friends or her peers yesterday became her tormentors today. And no one stood up to protect her. That's when we really began to analyze and identify that at Wasma Center, we do not do an anti-bullying campaign. We recognize that students in school bully for a variety of reasons. There are things happening at home or in society that simply educators cannot control. These are influencing factors that walk into the classroom. So rather than concentrating our attention on the bully, We chose to take a positive stance, and let's start talking about the actions of all those who were standing around just watching. It's what Rose had referred to, those who stood, watched what was happening, and said nothing. So that's where we actually coined then the phrase, let's start standing up and stepping in to confront injustice by being an upstander.
1: And is there a specific reason why the center frames it that way?
0: Well, it also came in the timing when the program was developed. We were going through the campaign season pre-election 2016. And we were listening to the rhetoric on the media. We were watching what was happening within our own community. And we felt that too many folks were silent. People were not willing to step in and be held accountable for either actions or words. And so that was when we went back to our lessons with Rose, how could we encourage one another to step up? That there are times when silence is just deafening and that we need to be accountable for the actions within our community. It also came to play when after the election of 2016 we had a mother who called us her son was in middle school being taunted by his peers on the playground that he needed to leave the united states we were building a wall he was no longer welcome here his family needed to leave when the mother called me, she said what became so painful in it is there was not a single one of his peers who stood up to defend him. The class stood on the playground as bystanders, listening to the taunts of a few, and nobody was willing to intervene. She's said compound that fact that the family's Native American and they were here first. And she said it just became so hate-filled, and honestly devastating for her son. That's when we knew we needed to take a much more proactive stance on defining but also actualizing what does it mean to be an upstander. We use in the program development the acronym ACT. ACT. A, ask. When you heard that joke, ask Whoever repeated the joke, did you think that was funny? Do you know what the words in that joke mean? Do you know what you're honestly saying? I still believe that a number of times, jokes, words, phrases, pieces are repeated in ignorance. That folks sometimes do not know the impact of those words. So can we create a conversation? Good questions start good conversations. So we hope with our student programming to empower students to be able to ask. The C is choose. To be an upstander is an intentional choice. We have a dedicated rock in the memorial. National funder came to Boise when we were uh, planning the expansion with the addition of the Marilyn Schuler Classroom for Human Rights. When he heard about the opportunities for donor recognition, he wanted to place a particular dedicated rock next to a new tree that we were planting. In the dedication, he wanted to recognize a Polish glass factory owner who was an evangelical Christian who saved 700 Jews during the Holocaust. When the donor was... Crafting the inscription for the rock, he wanted one particular word highlighted in quotation marks. He said this glass factory owner chose. He chose to be an upstander. He chose. It was an intentional choice to save others, putting himself and his family at risk. To me, that is such a poignant reminder in the memorial of the power of making that choice. In the acronym ACT, then, the T is TEACH. Teach by example of how you lead your life. We were working with a high school student from Boise High who came to me be- the summer between his junior and senior year. He wasn't sure what to do, but he knew he had to do something. He was listening to his peers. These were the guys he'd grown up with since first grade. He was listening to... what they said how they talked about others some of the actions they were taking and he told me he said i don't want somebody to walk by see me sitting there and thinking that i say and do the same things he felt that the only action he could take at the time he walked away from his peer group i thought how sad at that moment we had not given him the tools on how to confront without being confrontational. And he felt his only option was to walk away because it's how he wanted to prove by example of how he leads his life. That's how he wanted to teach others of what it meant to be an upstander. Oftentimes in presentation, I reference from Martin Luther King Jr.'s last drum major instinct sermon, one of his final sermons. In that sermon, He referenced when he passed, whomever was asked to give his eulogy, he asked, do not let them reference that I won the Nobel Peace Prize. Instead, have them say that I loved and served humanity. That's the action of an upstander. We like to reference that being an upstander is not a noun. It's not something I can call myself. It's not an identity that I can claim. I can't say I am an ally or an upstander if no one ever witnesses me as such. Being an upstander is an action. It is a verb. This is Joe Edwards. To be or not to be is to be human.
1: How wonderful it is that everyone has the right to freedom. United, we are just as equal as one another. Members of this world should not be singled out by race or ethnicity. Although we all look different, we have the right to do what makes us happy. No one must wait a minute for freedom. It is something you are born with, not given. Right to love and create family. I and many others have the right to freedom. Gather each other's strengths and weaknesses to make us all stronger. Having freedom does not mean you can do everything, but be whatever you want. To be happy with yourself is to be free. If you don't like it, you need to have the will to change. Okay, Dan, I got another question for you. How does the center define the risk of being an upstander?
0: Uh, Adam, I think that's actually a great question with it, because there are inherent risks. If we are willing to stand up and step in, there is that possibility we are putting ourselves at risk. Obviously, our response to that, in some respects, varies with audience. It was a couple of years ago we were approached by a local organization. They wanted us to do a training for students to prepare them for acts of civil disobedience in which the outcome is they might be arrested. Well as educators and as an education center, we could not do that. I could not in good conscience support a program preparing students to be arrested. We flipped in our approach with that organization and said, rather than preparing for arrest, let's train on the tools that we can take to be upstanders. There doesn't have to be just one single outcome, in their case, ending with arrest. So rather, regardless of the groups or the age levels, we talk about our individual skills. Now, you and I have very different skills, very different personalities, and it's that that we bring to bear as upstanders. I've often made reference, you may never see me on a picket line, but I write a darn good letter maybe that's the skill I'll bring to the table. Our response when we are working with community groups, it's not the matter of what we do. The issue is, are we willing to do? Are we each willing to do something to confront injustice in our own ways? And we're hearing examples in The the Voices episodes of the acts of upstanders. You know, in these past few episodes, someone who was willing to be arrested, someone who was willing to counter practice within the school system, someone who was willing to step out and be vulnerable by confronting, be it family, be it faith, be it others in power, and saying, wait a minute, how are we treating others? So I think, yeah, there is inherent risk, but there also has to come that inherent satisfaction that we each have to do something.
1: Okay, that makes a lot of sense, and I guess uh, my last question is, you know, is there is there privilege to being an upstander? Obviously, there's gonna be some risk to being an upstander, and I think there's a different amount of risk Depending on who you are and where you stand in our society. So, with that being said, what is the privilege, or is there a privilege to being an upstander?
0: Uh, funny you would ask that particular question because it was actually a conversation I had yesterday with one of our supporters. we have developing programming on social justice values. Can we teach and learn values of empathy, honesty, kindness, respect, inclusion? And we were having a program meeting, and there was a challenge. Are we helping and training children of color, children living in poverty, children living? coping with abuse to be upstanders and one of the program developers actually challenged and said wait a minute maybe it's time that we focus in training students of privilege to step up to protect the vulnerable rather than asking the vulnerable protect themselves and stand up for themselves, maybe it's time to call upon privilege to protect humanity, to protect other members in the community who maybe don't have the tools or the time to focus on protecting others. Maybe they're trying to survive maybe with a little help from their friends, we can ease some of that journey.
1: Okay, Dan, you ask our guests every week, and now it's time for me to ask you, is there a certain quote that resonates with you today?
0: Oftentimes in a presentation, I will reference a particular quote that... I've upon occasion even been known to modernize or contemporize with, but in keeping it in its original text. In Germany, they came first for the communists, and I did not speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak up because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Catholics, and I did not speak up because I was a Protestant. Then they came for me, and by that time no one was left to speak up. Martin Niemöller was a Lutheran pastor in Germany during Hitler's rise to power. He resisted the state control of the churches, and he became one of the founders of the confessional church that opposed Hitler's attempt to mold the Christian religion to suit Nazi ends. As an upstander, and for his stance, he was imprisoned in concentration camps from 1937 to 1945. And until his death, he berated himself and the German people for not doing more to protect the victims of the Nazi regime. He was an upstander. Yeah, there was inherent risk. He used his privilege and his platform to speak out and attempt to protect others but it is his quote that in the memorial always echoes to me if I don't speak out who's going to speak out for me if I need them
1: thank you Dan and that is why we continue to echo not in my town
0: not, not in my, my state. state Idaho, Idaho is, is too great, great for, for hate with you so
1: And then in 1943, under the guise of resettlement, uh, which is part of elimination, as as the spiral of injustice tells us, uh, Jews were rounded up and sent to mostly Treblinka. Uh, And today, all that really remains uh, of of this tragedy are several plaques in the pavement, scattered monuments, uh, just one synagogue of the 400 that were in existence, and very small fragments of the ghetto wall. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Wasman Center podcast. That clip you just heard was from Ben Harris talking about his experience going to Poland. You can check out that episode next week, October 7th. Thanks, and see you next week.